3: Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salek.
1: And a very good afternoon. I'm Roger Hearing. Now, today we're taking a special look at the Labour Party and the recent anti-Semitism report. In the moment, we'll take stock on how Keir Starmer has dealt with the scathing findings and explore what it means for the future of the party. But first, let's have a look at the political news making today's headlines.
3: Yet, yeah, Roger, before we get to anything around Labour, we've got to talk about Brexit. The government's spending watchdog warning that UK trade with the EU faces what they call significant disruption when the transition period ends in January. This is whether they get a deal or not. So the National Audit Office saying it's very unlikely traders will be ready for checks. The EU is due to impose at its borders and it's warned that limited time remains for UK ports to test new IT systems. You've seen those campaigns from the government encouraging businesses to get ready for Brexit and we've heard from them as well that they're having a hard time adapting to what they don't really see as a clear picture of what trade is going to look like come the new year.
1: No, Many, many problems for business on that. Meanwhile, anyone living or working in Liverpool can now get a regular virus test. The city is taking part in a pilot scheme to see whether frequent screenings will help stop the spread of COVID-19. People will be told apparently whether they have the infection or not in around 15 minutes. That said, the Guardian's reporting today that those rapid virus tests missed more than half of the positive cases in a trial. The government's admitted the test did did show low sensitivity in one trial in Salford, but it says other trials showed far better results, and the outlier is going to be investigated.
3: Mm, So some bumps in the road then, but it really would be uh, a bit of a coup, wouldn't it, if we can end up with some sort of rapid, frequent testing on as many people as possible to... Control the virus in some way, but let's get to the topic of today's special, shall we? Anti-Semitism within the Labour Party. It's an issue that's dogged the party since Jeremy Corbyn's leadership. You've had a number of high-profile suspensions and departures. all got very dramatic over the last few years, and it culminated last month. We had that report, finally, from the Equality and Human Rights Commission, which found that Labour was responsible for what it called unlawful acts of harassment and discrimination. Uh, We had a response from Jeremy Corbyn, who said that the scale of the problem had been dramatically overstated and that then led to his suspension from the party. Kota Starmer, the current leader, of course, has said that anti-Semitism is a central thing that he wants to get rid of and that was a big part of his pitch for leader, Roger.
1: Yes, and it's an issue that still seems to be hanging around the neck of the party. Let's bring in someone who has direct experience on this. Uh, Ruth Smith, formerly uh, a Labour MP, of course uh, now with the Index on Censorship, the CEO of that. Uh, Ruth, thanks for being with us. Uh, first of all, just give us your experience in a nutshell. What was what happened to you inside the Labour Party?
4: Um, well, it was horrendous and not something I'd ever experienced before. So from 2016 onwards, um, my identity became fair game. Um, I had a death threats on a almost regular monthly basis. From that period on, I had to move home because of the scale of the threat. Um I wasn't allowed on public transport by myself for three years. Um, I wasn't allowed out by myself for three years. I had the police at every surgery that I held with my constituents. My constituents. Yeah, I was never allowed to tell people where I was going. It was always where I'd been. So, you know, on social media, if I was going to you know, a local fair, it would be, I'd go first thing and say, you know, everyone should go there today because it could never be advertised that I was going in advance. So my whole life changed because of it. And it wasn't, I mean, the part for me that was so shocking, I had, I've always been an anti-racism campaigner, I used to, run one of the largest anti-racism campaigns in the country. This wasn't coming from the far right. This was coming from within my own political family. This was coming from from supposed Labour Party members and supporters and people who were there because they supported Jeremy Corbyn and thought that we were fair game as opposed to, you know, it wasn't coming from extremists that you'd have expected that kind of hate and abuse to have come from.
3: So Ruth, it did get investigated. We got the EHRC report through. Uh, What did you make of the conclusions in that?
4: I think it was the level of relief and vindication for those of us who had spoken out for so long, desperately trying to get this fixed. I don't think anybody wants racism uh, to continue within a political party, but when it's targeting you and it's about your community, you literally just desperately want it to go away. And day in, day out, I and others, Luciana Berger, Margaret Hodge, Louise Ellman, were told that we were lying, it was smears, we were weaponising racism... And to see someone an independent body having forensically over a period of 18 months investigated what was happening inside the Labour Party and for them to say that we were right, that there was systematic harassment and discrimination of Jewish members um, in a way that should never have existed inside Her Majesty's opposition.
1: That was
4: a level of vindication.
1: Let me ask you something very direct here, Ruth, which is, do you think Jeremy Corbyn is or was anti-Semitic?
4: I think Jeremy Corbyn, I mean, it's difficult to know exactly what someone else thinks or feels, but I think Jeremy Corbyn's action did nothing to stop anti-Semitism in the Labour Party and in fact he empowered others to be racist. So as well as his own comments on the mural on the books, on the fact that Zionists don't understand English irony, whatever he meant by that I there's a pattern of behaviour here that questions the very nature of Jeremy Corbyn and um, his anti-racism credentials that he kept throwing at everybody um, it became nonsense but his, his lack of action on this issue empowered others to make mine and others' lives miserable.
3: Uh, so Ruth, Keir has been very clear that this is something he wants to stamp out. Do you have confidence in him to be able to do that?
4: I do. I think that Keir has made this so cautious who he is, his first statement and um, as leader of the Labour Party and then his actions that he's taken from that point on. I mean, it takes a huge amount of determination and political bravery for the general, uh, so your general secretary to suspend the former leader of the Labour Party for um, for uh, downplaying and undermining a report into our um, into the Labour Party's racism. I mean, he's he's shown bravery in a way that has surprised me. His determination to fix this has given me confidence, and I've spoken to him a great deal about it. I think he like most of us just want this to go away but um, it but it's not just the processes that are outlined in the EHRC report it's about the culture of the Labour Party and that's going to be a long time to fix well, it's a big piece
5: of work for Gears do. All
1: right Ruth thank you so much for being with us Ruth Smith, there former Labour MP and now with Index on Censorship but of course not everyone in the Labour Party feels the same way. Indeed, there are many Jewish people in the Labour Party who feel very differently. And joining us is one of them, Naomi Wimborne-Idrisi, who's a founding member of Jewish Voice for Labour, which has been supportive of Jeremy Corbyn on this issue, joins us. Now, Naomi, welcome to the programme. Thank you for being with us. I don't know whether you're able to hear what Ruth Smith was saying to us. She clearly suffered badly uh, from antisemitism, while she was in the party, while she was a Labour MP, uh, the report she felt vindicated her. What do you think?
5: Um, wrong on both counts, Sebastian. Sorry. Um, look, I don't want to say anything personal about about Ruth, but her, the the allegations that she has made about the party, including her own experience, are highly controversial and much disputed. So we better not go there. Um, in terms of what she just said, that the report. Just come out was a report into the Labour Party's racism. It was never a report into the Labour Party's racism. The way it's been spun, both as an inquiry and given its outcomes, is very misleading to the public. So, I mean, I've seen it described as a damning report into Labour's handling of anti-Jewish race, racism. If you read it, it isn't actually that damning. It's quite sort of mealy-mouthed and subdued. And it wasn't into anti-Jewish racism. It was into the handling of complaints of alleged anti-Jewish racism. It's very different things. Really sorry to say that. So, uh, we feel in Jewish Voice for Labour, and we've been studying the report since it came out a week ago now, it kind of fails on its own terms anyway, because it talks about processes that were bad. And my goodness, the processes for dealing with complaints in the Labour Party are by the and dysfunctional and terrible. And we've been saying that for the last couple of years, because we, people like us, people who were supportive of Jeremy Corbyn, have been victims of this. And the report kind of half acknowledges that because it does say at one point that those complained against suffered more than those who did the complaining by and large. Not not all the time, but by and large. And yeah. what the report fails to do is to note that the improvements that, that have taken place in trying to reform these awful processes, we down right. to Jeremy Corbyn and the General Secretary that he put in. That's not acknowledged. An- Anomi, it on,
3: on yeah, Jeremy right. Corbyn, can I ask, his, his suspension from Labour, was that warranted for, for saying what he did, that the situation had been blown out of proportion?
5: Well, of course it wasn't. He was telling the truth. And even if he was just expressing an opinion, this is a published report into the workings of a the second major political party in this country. If a former leader of the party cannot comment on that, we are in a very weird place here. and It's quite Kafkaesque. Since his suspension, members of the party have received Stasi-like edicts telling them that they may not even place on the agenda a branch meeting. This happened to me, myself, personally, in my branch on uh, Wednesday night. Anything that even alludes to, to Jeremy's Existence. I mean, we put a resolution which said we, we wish to express our solidarity for Jeremy Corbyn. We didn't mention his suspension, but, uh, it was ruled out of order.
0: The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar, and premier sponsor QB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.
3: The question then is, where does this leave then the Labour Party? They're on the front foot on the virus challenge. They've taken positions that the government has had to follow eventually in many senses. But the anti-Semitism problem and the deeper divisions inside the party are still not resolved.
1: Well, joining us now is Labour historian David Cogan, whose book Protest and Power chronicled the decades of the tussle between left and right inside the party between the 1970s and the 1990s. Let's take a look at where Labour is now. David, thanks so much for being with us. Um, Let me ask you first, the the EHRC report, uh, it gave Starmer, I suppose, in some ways, the weapons he needed to deal with with the Corbyn wing of the party, but in some ways people feel it might have just made things worse. What's your take?
2: Well, um, first of all, I should say that the book goes up, in fact, the last year, it's the 45-year history of the Labour Party and the battles within the Labour Party of the left and the centre. And I have to say that this latest twist is one that in some ways, I think, surprised most of us who are commentators, because... Everybody knew the EHRC report was going to come out. It's one of a series of reports that are coming out. There is at least one more to come out about anti-Semitism before the end of this year. And I think that Keir Starmer and the leadership team did the right thing in telling Corbyn the night before the report came out what exactly they were going to say. And what is interesting is that Jeremy Corbyn kind of ignored that advice, decided to put out his own statement and... What is even more interesting is if you now look at the position of natural Corbyn supporters of the Labour Party, they are very, very divided about what he did and very divided about whether the suspension is something that they are going to fight. So, though I think Keir Starmer didn't particularly want this argument with Jeremy Corbyn on the day the report came out, I think now it's happened both sides are going to be pretty stuck in their position.
3: And where does this leave Corbynism and the, the movement's influence within the party? I mean, clearly they're not in the leadership anymore, uh, but, but this is, in a sense, fueling the fire. It's giving them something to intervene about.
2: Well, so I, I actually think that, it, um, to give you an example, in the last 24 hours, the ca- Socialist Campaign Group, which is the main body within Parliament of the left-wing MPs, uh, a group of MPs there, the usual suspects who have been in the Corbyn era, Diane Abbott, John McDonnell, Ian Lavery, all put out a statement supporting Corbyn. What's very interesting is about half the socialist campaign group did not support that letter. And that half that didn't tend to be newer, younger MPs who, though they're on the left, recognise that this is not the issue on which they want to fight the leadership. It is extremely difficult, if you read the EHLC report, which is extremely clear about the failings of the leadership and of the Labour Party... That if you're going to have a fight with a new leadership, you don't necessarily want to do it on this particular issue and die on this particular hill. Uh, And I actually think that the left will sit back in the main and not try to do anything more than see if they can get Corbyn reinstated from his suspension. Actually fighting what has to happen now and the various recommendations that the ERC have made that have to be agreed by December the 10th, I don't think you'll see the left fighting those issues at all.
1: But what about the other part of, of the Labour support, which traditionally, of course, has been the unions? That's gone up and down over the years, but uh, they, a lot of their funding still comes from that direction. And we've certainly seen people like Unite uh, be concerned, seem to be concerned on the issues like this, and complain about uh, Jeremy Corbyn being suspended, possibly withhold the funds. Is that going to be a problem?
2: No. Well, I think, first of all, my understanding is that behind the scenes, Len McCluskey has actually been reaching out to Keir Starmer to try and find some sort of way through this that isn't going to embarrass either Starmer or Corbyn. I don't think you'll see Unite withdrawing its funding from Labour. I think that would be such a fundamental move. And remember that at the same day that the AHRC report came out, Labour went for the first time ahead of the Conservatives in the opinion polls, went 5% ahead in the polls. Uh, you've got a Conservative government, that not a single person in the Labour movement, wishes to give any more aid and succour to. And I don't believe that Unite um, and all the sort of noise around Unite putting support is actually going to be followed through. I think Jeremy Corbyn, in a strange way, uh, in his, his final act of kind of arrogance in terms of his leadership, has actually exposed his own supporters on the left. And in that sense, people will be wanting to move on. The danger is there are still more issues around anti-Semitism that will come up over the course of the next two or three months. And this issue just won't go away until the leadership takes decisive action.
3: Well, I mean, that, that is the fundamental question in all of this. What does the leadership need to do now? We've seen the willingness from Keir Starmer and we've seen early actions. Uh, but what comes next in terms of stamping out this issue for good within Labour?
2: Well, there are there are two different aspects to that. Sir. The first is the HRC report itself demands 15 actions by the Labour Party by December the 10th, including having a completely independent complaints process and by a whole series of other issues about dealing with education and anti-Semitism within the party. So those are, you know, recommendations that have to be followed because the EHRC has legal standing and can force the Labour Party to do them. So first of all, there is a course of action that has to be undertaken about the issue itself. Secondly, what people have forgotten is that there are a number of cases, legal cases, that have been taken out against the Labour Party by people who are in the infamous 860-page leak report from four or five months ago. And those court cases will keep this issue alive as well. And the third bit is there is a report into the leak of that 860-page report, the Ford report, which hasn't come out yet. So on the one hand, Labour has got the course of action that the NHRC has given it to deal with the issue over the medium term. The problem is, in the short term, the PR on this, if you like, the public perception of it, is that the issue is still there. And I think that's why, in one sense, you know, Jeremy Corbyn and the issue of Jeremy Corbyn's suspension will fast become a sideshow as people are moving on, against the backdrop, of course, of coronavirus, which is a far more important issue, really, for everybody than Jeremy Corbyn's suspension.
1: Well, David, I was going to pick up on that because uh, you navigated it very well in your your book about the history of the Labour Party, the tendency within the Labour Party to focus on perhaps what I might call the narcissism of small differences, fight their own internal (laughs) battles, kind of ignoring what's going on in terms of actually winning public support, which is what they need to win elections. Uh, Is that going to happen again because Labour turning on itself on these complicated court cases, an issue that really perhaps isn't an issue out there among the public as to whether or not the Labour Party is anti-Semitic.
2: Well, I agree. I think I think as far as the public are concerned, all the polling data and certainly all the opinion polls that are coming through show that what public care about is actually politicians who are competent. And in this instance, Keir Starmer is appearing to be far more competent than Boris Johnson. I think the issue of anti-Semitism actually, every time Starmer has acted on it, that reinforces the impression of leadership and competence. So actually, to an extent, it works in his favour. But the Labour Party's ability to find tiny issues on which to fight very big wars, as you say, Roger, has been a remarkable tendency over the last 40 or 50 years. Um, and this instance, I think the significance of this campaign group split, socialist campaign group split between the old guard of the Corbyn era and the much younger left-wing MPs who came in in 2019 and 2017, That split, that generational split, shows that I think, actually, this is an issue that may not become the ongoing war. There will be people around Jeremy Corbyn who are essentially people implicated in the report from the EHRC who will go on defending what they did. And we all know who they are. There are people in his private office and himself who believe that somehow this issue was exaggerated and and should go away. The vast bulk of people reading the EHRC report, which is an objective report and it is well worth reading in many ways, can see there was a consistent level of behaviour in which the leadership just was plain wrong. And I don't think you're going to find that this becomes the civil war issue that in the past was happening elsewhere. And certainly when I talk to people on the left of the Labour Party who are natural supporters of Jeremy Corbyn, they're all saying exactly that. They just wish he had not done what he did and not put himself in the position of having to be suspended, and they just wish it would go away.
3: And David, what about those hordes of fans, particularly younger ones that Jeremy Corbyn had? Where is the natural home for them now? I've heard a bit of suggesting they might go to the Greens or there was talk of a splinter party that sort of faded away very quickly. But that speculation is there about where they're headed next.
2: Yeah, I think, I think some of that, Seb, depends on whether, you know, Starmer starts to develop policy. I mean, the criticism of Starmer is that Labour still is unclear on lots of issues of policy. It's been an opposition, but it hasn't necessarily been a party that's a government in waiting. So I think quite a lot of people are going to be waiting to see what Labour's and Starmer's policies are and whether they veer to the left in terms of economic redistribution. the Rishi actually doing quite a good job of that already. Um, or whether it's about group matters of green policy or the rest of it. The number of people, the younger generation, who so are going to judge whether Jeremy Corbyn being suspended is an issue on which they will sit or leave in the Labour Party, I think is is, is quite small. And remember, people like John McDonnell have been saying for the last week people shouldn't leave. Nobody on the left is saying you should leave the Labour Party. Um, so I would actually think that at the moment you're not going to see membership leaving in its droves because of Jeremy Corbyn's suspension on the issue of anti-Semitism. Uh, the issue will be over the next year or year and a half as Labour's developing policy whether it's seen as being what the left would call a neo-Blairite party or whether it's seen as being more to the left. And I think actually, and it's a criticism of Keir Starmer in some ways, the jury is still out as to which it will be.
1: And Briefly, David, a lot of the left, as you know, would see this as being something, a, a, a creation something false, a chimera that was used to get them out of the position of power they'd found themselves in after the election of Jeremy Corbyn. It's all been a distraction. Do you think there really is and was anti-Semitism in the
2: Labour Party? Yes, I think there's no question whatsoever. And the HRC report, which is 120 or so pages, makes it absolutely clear that there were a small group, a small group, ...of anti-Semites in the Labour Party. But what magnified their influence and what magnified the effect was when MPs such as Luciana Burgo and, and Ruth Smith were under massive personal attack, their leadership did nothing. And what magnified it was the internal processes of the Labour Party did not right. deal with any of these issues properly. So actually, this could have been dealt with. If you read the 860-page reports and the HRC reports... All of this was absolutely within the compass of the party to deal with it. It's just that the leadership didn't do so.
1: Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London.